Hello there. Hi, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a warm Key Largo, warm, hot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Yes, we're in the midst of it. Summer heat. But the nice thing about living in the Keys, surrounded by water, we don't get water. We don't get much above 90 if we hit that at all. But it always feels hot from now until and we may get some rain coming in on those rainy days it does seem to stay in the 70s Uh, we could go for a little rain right now especially north of us because we have brush wire brush fires raging on the east side of the the stretch to the west of Carthtown road uh, as you go north out of the keys and prompting county and state officials to shut down Cardstown Road. So that is causing a foreseen, I'd like to say foreseen, because it has happened many times before that they had to shut down Cardstown Roads for various reasons, but this is multiple reasons they had to shut it down. Multiple times they had to shut it down because of brush fires, because of smoke uh, drifting in and out. Of uh, what well, is smoke drifting in a roadway, fire hazard, and all that stuff. So I've seen so postings that people are missing their flights because of the detouring effect of the uh, fire. The uh, overseas highway. They first. Where they were constructing it, I guess they started back in 2006. I got here in 2007, and they were working on it. It was proposed way before that. It was just a small two-lane road coming into the Keys. You always had, you always had, but there was a card sound road that would run kind of a more easterly direction going into Keys, hitting way up into North Key Largo, about 14, uh, 15 miles up where the turn takes for the overseas highway comes up where it splits off and goes and originally they planned it to be a four lane highway coming in and out of the Keys which would have been great for us uh, anybody living above mile marker 90 and the reasoning for that is south of mile marker 90 is a two lane road going down the rest of the Keys until they get down the marathon again and in Marathon, it's a four-lane road again, which helps you in Marathon. And then two lanes all the way down to Key West. So, the, it was supposed to be over overseas highway. I think the initial proposals were a four-lane highway, and it's mainly a two-lane. So whenever that two-lane other alternate road shuts down, you're just not kind of doubling because... Cardstown Road is approximately, I'm just going to take a gander. I don't even need to look at it. About six miles further, maybe more, than instead of, you know, or maybe 10 miles more. But when there's ever a backup on overseas, when are, there's a backup on overseas highway, people take Cardstown Road as an alternate route, route. But when it's shut down, that causes the backup. And for some reason, the, the small amount of traffic that goes up Cardstown Road gets heavier at the end of the day. The local rush hour, when people that live down here leave, 
So there's backups that are caused during prime travel times. And we noticed that yesterday, my daughter, I take my daughter out uh, to abandoned parking lots, empty parking lots to start, you know, getting the feel of the car because in about, you know, four months, she gets her driver's permit. So, well, about five months, gets her learner's permit. And uh, I wanted to get her a little head start getting acquainted with the car. So we started looking out and it was backing up. It was backing up. So we're at mile marker 102 and overseas highway starts around 107, 108. And it's backed up for five miles to slow down. So we headed south. There's a post on Facebook. And I'm sure it's not the only one. Someone missed their flight. Which happens a lot in the Keys. If you're flying out of Miami or Fort Lauderdale, dealing with the traffic, that thing where you want to leave, you know, it's only an hour. It says it's 55 miles to the airport. And you're thinking, well, I'll give myself two hours, an extra hour. Uh, 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 uh. Because one accident happens, you're not making your flight. Well, this case, they, the person that posted says because they had to go, they were coming up and they had to, they got caught in the traffic going up overseas highway. They were two hours late. They were stuck in two hours traffic. Well, the uh, that means obviously they missed their flight. They didn't even get there close to it, you know, two hours. So when you're leaving the Keys, I always say give yourself ample amount of time. You know, if you're not, I know it sucks sitting at an airport after a vacation, but that's one of the things. If you don't like being inconvenienced about rescheduling a flight and the cost doesn't deter you of rescheduling a flight, 200 bucks, you know, if you're worth your net worth, you're one of those people like uh, Warren Buffett. That would be a waste of time to stop and pick up a $20 bill. That your money, your time's worth more than that. And yeah, maybe you don't want to, you don't care. You say, I'll just reschedule a flight. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to spend that much time. Well, these people got stuck and they had to reschedule and they, they ended up having uh, the wait a couple hours for Amer- uh, American Airlines and they ended up getting charged $200 rebooking fee, which depending on where you're going, you might as well just go and buy another flight someplace else because the chances are you might be able to get it even cheaper than 200 bucks. Who knows? Well, last minute, you know, they kind of really fuck it up. But that stuff happens a lot down here. And I always, even if I'm leaving early, I like to leave early in the morning of flights because you never know what happened. Like, like I said, if someone's speeding and you get in an accident, you're going to have to backtrack and go around. So I try to give myself uh, two hours. I arrive two hours before the flight. And even then, you can't be guaranteed you get there. But it reduces the, reduces the likelihood. So that's your backup plan. And I like to have a backup plan. So I want to talk about, when we finish talking about the keys, and it's beautiful down here right now, and the fishing's really good. It was rough the other day. I think they said on Monday, one of the uh, captains come in and said it was a little windy and it was a little choppy out there. 
some people don't have a problem with it. Other people really don't. No pun intended, can't stomach it. And it does make shittier fishing when it's uh, choppier. But uh, it's great fishing when it's decent conditions down here. And if you are down here, please check out the Catch Restaurant at Mile Marker 102 Oceanside, open every day of the week for lunch and dinner with happy hour that goes 3.30 to 6.30, Monday through Friday, with great happy hour drink and happy hour food prices. And they do cook your catch. And they got a wide assortment of food besides seafood. They also have non-seafood dishes for the people that don't particularly enjoy it. Well, a news item that's everyone may or may not be following. Well, you did hear that um, the one, the first news item is that the governor of Florida passed a a law or executive order that would override any locality's insistence that people wear masks. You know, or that when they're required to wear masks, it doesn't stop businesses from requiring it. So now we're starting to see on Facebook people say, you know, we're we're keeping our employees wearing wearing mask, and uh, we're we're not they're not enforcing the people coming in wearing masks. Matter of fact, I went to a couple of places and they didn't have the mask requirement out and they haven't changed they really haven't changed said anything on the county level yet or I, I haven't seen it so we'll see we'll see I mean it doesn't mean that changes when you're just because the governor has that doesn't mean when you get on a flight because the flights aren't governed by the uh, state you know it's the FAA right and the CDC so they may try to tell people that they don't have to wear a mask, but an airline can do whatever it wants when it comes to that. And uh, we're seeing a lot. There's been an increase in disturbances. They said at least ten, a tenfold increase up to this time over previous years in incidents reported to the FAA for people acting up on airlines. So, I guess if you're getting on a flight and you plan to fly again, it would behoove you not to be abusive or getting to a a verbal or physical altercation with anyone. If you intend to fly that airline, or they could probably, if if it's bad enough, there's a possibility you could be put on a no-fly list. If it's a severe infraction. So what I would suggest is just to calm down. Try to adhere to rules like you would when you go into someone's house. Think about when you go into someone's house. And they say, hey listen, we don't like shoes when people come into the house. You're barefoot or with your socks. What do you do? Well, most people, if you're friendly with the people and you want to go back in the house, you're going to take your shoes off. If you don't, then you don't have to go back to that house. Same thing with flights. So do it that way. Another item in the news. Uh, Part of a Chinese rocket is falling back to Earth. 
And they expect it to enter the atmosphere on Saturday. They said the next three days. That's the news I saw today. And it's NASA suggests that it would probably have a couple hours notice on where they get an idea where the location would be. Most likely, it will be in water since 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. Now, that means it's probably a 70... With a general strike area being any place on the planet. And I guess there's certain... Depending on what kind of orbit it is. If it's in an orbit, high, high orbit near one of the poles... You know, it's no big deal. Is it a polar orbit or is it an equatorial orbit? But they're going to know about three hours before. And I imagine the Chinese government is probably going to be somewhat liable for any damage done when that comes back. But that highlights a subject that we did about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. It's called... A scientist in the 1970s named Kessler came up with the idea. In the 1970s, um, he noticed there was a lot of low Earth orbit material. And that's satellites. And dead satellites. Because remember, they started putting satellites up in orbit in the 50s. Right? So they only had, when he came up there, they had maybe 15, 16 years of launches going on, but then you had all, now you had private companies putting satellites up there. And there's thousands of objects in orbit around the Earth. And the Kessler effect is is kind of like, so what they're suggesting, Kessler's suggesting, and it has happened, there has been collisions of satellites, that if anything were to collide with a large enough satellite to spread debris around, and remember, a lot of this debris is traveling at tens of thousands of miles an hour around the Earth, that when it strikes, it strikes with the impact greater than a bullet. And it causes a cascading effect. So what you would have is, let's say, two satellites colliding, all the debris escaping from those satellites, the debris from those satellites hitting other satellites, spreading more debris, and that cascading across that orbital 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 layer. So let's say it's a low earth earth orbit. So you'd have debris spread all across there through that orbital path, and if it's still going, whatever doesn't fall into the atmosphere, which is, Doran Kessler said, would stay in permanent orbit for a significant amount of time, even generations. That type of debris field would prevent the launching of spacecraft or the landing of spacecraft, trying to go through a debris field. Think of Star Wars when you have to go through those those clouds of uh, asteroid clouds. Now, make them uh, when you have the, you know, they were showing rocks about the size of a, the, the spaceship. Make them the size of a centimeter or less. But you're traveling back to Earth at a great speed or leaving Earth at a great speed, thousand miles. That, those small objects, uh, debris, cause 
great damage to spacecraft and to their fuel storage systems and their life support systems and all that stuff. Or what well life support if there's life on the on the spaceship. So Kessler's suggesting if that happens, and if it happens across the cascading effect against the whole orbital layer, that we would not be able to launch for the foreseeable future, meaning for generations perhaps, unless it just clears up. Eventually it would clear up because orbital um, paths or orbits uh, have a way of deteriorating just naturally because in space when something's moving let's say you're in space without any gas or anything to cause friction when you're going 10,000 miles an hour you stay at 10,000 miles an hour and an orbital path is like a permanent falling but you're not falling towards you're falling away and the gravity's kind of slinging you around so some there are significant satellites, if they're timed perfectly and they're high enough, especially high satellite, higher the satellites, the less orbital deterioration occurs, meaning there's less friction. It could stay up there for thousands of years, you know, some of these satellites just going around. And when they, you know, eventually they, they die, right? Because they're powered, they could have like small deteriorating nuclear material in there that helps power the satellite. So that's significant. Not having access to space because of trash. And there has been projects out there where they're talking about cleaning up the orbital layers. I have a hard time saying that, don't I? Orbital, orbital layers. It's easier for me to... You know, maintain the concept than to say the concept. So what they're suggesting is do a cleanup. To send spaceship up there and start retrieving dead satellites. You know, taking them. Not shooting them out of the sky because that would be, you know, a fucking stupid thing to do, wouldn't it? They just told you, hey, listen, we need to remove these satellites from orbit because eventually they may crash and are not serving any purpose anymore. They're dead. Unless you're going to retask them or put them back up in orbit, we're going to take it down. And let's say the government, let's say the United States government is responsible for 40%. And or and then the, the Russian government is, is responsible for 30%. And the Chinese government is responsible for 15%. And they say, listen, you're going to absorb the cost of it or you're going to do something about it. Because if it's shut down, it's shut down for everyone until someone figures out a way to launch something that the skin would be tough enough that it would be able to take a hit going 16,000 miles an hour. You know, just think of that. Think, think of tornadoes, how that sometimes during a tornado... A piece of straw or hay is embedded in a wooden fence. And that's up to like three, four hundred miles, three hundred miles an hour. Right? Straw can do that to wood. Now multiply that by 20, 20 times. 
And you can see that that would be very damaging. So it's not significant. People worry about the thing falling out of the sky. Most likely, you know, it's trillion to one. Trillion to one shot that you're going to get hit by a satellite. If you get hit by a satellite, that would, there was a, uh, a movie I saw that, uh, or was it a TV show? Where someone was struck by a satellite and they had to still had it embedded in them, and they had the ca- open casket funeral, and they see the things coming out of it. That would be if the person was, let's say, if the person was going to die anyway, that would be a way to go. I'm telling you. If, you, if fate would have it that I had to die that day, being hit by a satellite would definitely be very interesting. Because you all know, people die all the time from falling objects. They die from coconuts falling out of trees. Uh, Recently, a person died uh, when, where was this? It was in Colombia or Russia or something like that where someone jumped from a, a building and they hit a passerby. So that's not unheard of either. So if you are going to be one of those people that do decide to jump, try to jump from areas that are unvacated. You know, they do it from tall buildings and stuff like that. It's just a, uh, everyone says uh, suicide is a selfish act, but it certainly is a selfish act when you do it on the crowded crowded, uh, sidewalk. That is kind of more gross and morbid. I am so sorry for bringing it up since it's such a beautiful day here. Well, while I was watching the information about the Chinese rockets that's fallen to Earth, the two anchors had a discussion. And it was John Berman and whatever the new girl he's with, the new woman he's with, Bree, something or other. And he said something about Armageddon. And he may have said... That Deep Impact. There were two movies released at the same time. Armageddon and Deep Impact. And Deep Impact and Armageddon. I didn't really watch much of Deep Impact. I have to say I saw Armageddon. I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I think I may have seen it twice. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, a bunch of other actors in it. I think maybe, was Billy Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton was in it. And then I get confused after that. I think Brian Cranston was in one of them, but he, that may not be it. Morgan Freeman may have been the president. Maybe not. That could have been Deep Impact. I think in Deep Impact, Robert Duvall was in it. You know, two balding guys. It's kind of interesting were the heroes in it. But in Armageddon, they, they leave the Earth uh, on three space shuttles to land on and asteroid that's approaching the earth and they plant a nuclear warhead in it to blow it up and it's not to blow it up to make it in a bunch of smaller ones which you know you think might happen it's to break it in half and have the two sides go which I think is kind of convoluted you know the way to really do it Okay, this is me not being a scientist, a bartender, but since a lot of people say stupid shit now, I'm going to say my stupid shit, and since it's about Hollywood, I can do it. Is to, If they detect it early enough, much earlier, 
you hit it with a couple nuclear weapons when it's out there to try to direct it away. You know, a couple explosions. Boom. Boom. Because the impact, I, I know enough about physics that if you cause a nuclear explosion, that there's going to be a reaction against a hard surface and the rest of it would dissipate into open space. So you hit one side of it and just push it away. Instead of making convoluted way of just trying to break it in half and having two halves go in opposite directions. But then again, you know, one of these days, and one of these days, when I say days, it could be tens of thousands of years, there's going to be a large object that comes back, a larger than a Chinese rocket or an American rocket. Who knows? Now we have private companies doing it. You know, think about all the crappy shit companies have built, right? There's American Motors Corporation. They made a bunch of shitty cars for years. I mean, I drove some of their shitty cars, or one of their shitty cars. I drove two of their shitty cars, one one time only. But I imagine eventually if there's multiple companies making rockets, there's going to be a shitty rocket company. And they're going to say one time there's going to be, you know, you always seen it even in NASA, which is, you know, was in its day the premier launcher of rockets. And there was a big... Uh, to do about the um, about them blowing up on the launch pad. Now that's happened in the Soviet Union too, but they just didn't advertise it. They showed they didn't show live launches; they taped them. And NASA would broadcast live, and they do it from Cape Kennedy. You know, in in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, when the space race was on. And they people would see it from, you know, for hundreds of miles away. We see, we could see it in key, the Keys when they do a launch from Cape Kennedy. I don't know if it's still called Cape Kennedy. Let's get back to those movies. So they were debating about the movies, the quality of these movies, and there were Brie Larson. I think it's Brie Larson and John Berman. See how I remember something eventually? And there, and Brie Larson took umbrage at John Berman's comment that Armageddon wasn't good. And he said, no, I loved it. And he was, I loved Armageddon. And she goes, oh, it was a good movie. I mean, it only gets 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't a good movie. It wasn't a good movie. I mean, they had an Aerosmith uh, soundtrack at the end of it. I don't want to miss a thing with Ben Affleck getting married to Liv Tyler, you know, kind of like a, a little umbrage, kind of tear-jerking moment when, well, when Bruce Willis, and if you haven't seen it yet, don't waste your time. There's better movies. Gravity was even a better movie with all the scientific mistakes, you know, where, you know, uh, What's her name? What's her name? Oh, Jesus. Once again, I, I'm drawing it. But, you know, the one that was in... God. I'm drawing blank. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock is an astronaut has to come back to Earth in a Chinese space capsule. Now, why there's an extra... There's a spare Chinese space capsule ready to go back you wouldn't know. I mean, 
there's usually not extra. No one ever keeps a spare. And you know what I mean? No one keeps a fucking spare space capsule around. When shit goes down, it's not like, oh, well, we'll just send another one up. They may have had that with the space shuttles. You know, they have one on standby in case something happens on the other. Or, you know, with multiple multiple countries doing it, there may be a possibility. But almost in the history of space, up until now, they may, at this point, they may be able to put one up in a matter of weeks instead of have to wait months. Because, Christ's sakes, they got to move the space shuttle. It takes, they move it at less than a mile an hour on this giant tractor. They used to when the space shuttle was around. But to move these launch vehicles, it takes forever to get them into place. And they don't build them in place. They may assemble them in place, but they don't build them in place. So, like I said, Armageddon, don't waste your I'm going to give you the ending to it. And if you don't want, if you want to see, oh, I'm going to watch Armageddon, now's the time. I'm going to give it away. So, there's a couple minutes left. There's one... Shuttle left, I think. One space shuttle. The the other two are blown up. And Bruce Willis stays behind because the timing mechanism isn't working. Oh, yeah. You know, that's one thing you have a ba- you can have a backup for because the thing won't set. They won't set to something. So they have to keep someone on there to hit the button. And he waits to the last second to hit the button to blow it up. And uh, Ben Affleck's crying, talking to Bruce Willis. And they're acting like he, you know, in the beginning of the movie, he chases, Bruce Willis shoots, chases him down with a shotgun, firing a shotgun out. And the shotgun isn't one of these things you used as a, you know, I'm just kidding. But he chases him because he's screwing around with uh, his, Bruce Willis' daughter, uh, Liv Tyler. So And they put Liv Tyler in the control room and all that shit. So it was all hokey. It was hokey. And I watched it twice. I'm ashamed of myself. Much like a man, much like a man called masturbating. I'm ashamed of myself to have to say I watched it twice. I may have seen it more times. But now, eventually, when you get, realize the error of your ways, I, I will not watch it. And matter of fact, I don't even like that error. I like Aerosmith. I don't even like that song anymore because of that movie. And I like the actors. I love Bruce Willis in Unbreakable Six Tens. And Ben Affleck, who's a pretty good director. I don't know if we... Oh, Gone Girl. He was good in Gone Girl. He's not that great actor. Better actor than I am. But arguing the merits of one shitty movie over another shitty movie is beneath you as national anchors. So... I let that go. And they also, in the same segment, to end the show, uh, we talk about, I talk about the circle of empathy, how we, as humans, as people, can share, be empathetic to other people, other their, their pain, their suffering, their triumphs, their achievements, their struggles. I'm not going to go on for any of uh, those things. But... How some people have a very small, you know, the psycho and sociopath, their empathy extends to themselves. The tiny shell. And if they're multiple personality, could it only extend to part of themselves? 
meaning the one personality. They could give a shit about their multiple, other multiple personalities. Okay, so you actually, you know, a psychopath can look down on someone with multiple personality disorder. I don't want to get too far away from what I was going to say, though. Uh, and there's other people that identify with smaller groups, only their family. And then you got your clan outside your family. And then you got your uh, tribe. And it goes out from there. Until you can see almost all, you know, community with higher living things or, you know, where it gets really bad when you're, you know, let's say extremist Buddhist and you get upset every time you, you step on an ant. Which, uh, you know, I've been known to do that to insects, not on purpose, not to, with joy, just, you know, to keep them. I don't want ants crawling around, that's all. And or cockroaches or you know, flies. And I realize some people are saying, you know, life is life. But then you'd have to worry about eating any living animal. And then you got, if you want to extend it any further, you have to worry about plants and stuff like that. Because plants can, some plants have nervous systems and sometimes they react when an herbivore approaches them. So you can get in a sticky wicket, extending that empathy out too far. And if you're in panpsychism, I think it's panpsychism, where every object in the universe has consciousness, when then you feel bad about crushing a rock, right? Hmm, it's this sticky wicket. But I'm just saying, let's be reasonable here. Let's, let's extend it to higher animals, you know, the ones we accept the pets and all those things. And who am I to do that? I understand. That's my judgment. But let's do, let's play a little thought thing. Well, a state legislator, and you know, whether it becomes a big news item or not, but this gentleman, and he looked like a fucking accountant, he's making an argument for the merits of the three-fifths um, way of counting people. Three-fifths, if you recall from your American history, slave states, in the writing of the Constitution, objected to the Constitution because of representation in the House of Representatives was on a per-head basis, population basis. And in some of our states, they had huge slave populations. And they would be... So, if they... They didn't want their slaves to be counted as citizens because you couldn't enslave a citizen. They came, the compromise was if you had, a state had 100,000 slaves, they'd be three-fifths of those, which would make it 600,000. And that's how you determine your representation. Three-fifths. Three-fifths, 60%. You're suggesting someone's 60% human. To have that mindset, and I don't know if this person was refuing, uh, referring to uh, immigrants or anything, but whenever you refer to someone as 60% human, I mean, unless you're a scientist and you created a hybrid and it's a 60% human and 40% giraffe or manatee, I don't know why I picked those two, but I just picked those two. There's no other way of doing it without sounding fucking racist. 60% human. 
it boggles the mind that someone... I, I can understand how someone could think that way. I can understand how someone could think that way. I don't accept how they think this way, but I can understand. I don't understand that you make it through life and become a, a state official in a state government and you are not a crack or alcoholic or heroin user and you're able to say these things at a podium. I mean, I can see that maybe back in the late 1800s in some of these backwater places and shit like that. I can see that. But nowadays in the United States, I cannot see that. And that's the problem with the world. When you, Whenever you think that. Whenever you think someone is less than you are, it gives you a right and parcel a right to be able to trod on them. On their rights, their voices, you know, on their ways of maintaining security for them and their family, health and welfare and all that stuff. When you suggest someone's less, that there's no way you can empathize. You've, you've had no, none. You say, yeah, I can, the most I can um, summon up is 60% empathy for these people. So you're not... I mean, I, 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 hey, listen, don't make those statements and find them acceptable and suggest that you're a Christian or a patriotic American. Originally, you could have been a patriotic American in the original Constitution because that was in the Constitution, but we changed that. And it's not the way things are anyway anymore. So any... It boils down, that guy, I have to hand it to that guy, and he was a man, and he did look like a fucking accountant, that he was straightforward about his racism. He was straightforward. When he said that, when you're able to maintain someone's less of a human than you are, then that... You're giving them right to be able to do whatever you want. And they are not entitled to the same rights, not the same voting rights, not the same protections. And people do it all the time. Not just with those things. There's uh, people I've known and I've been friends with that suggested that people should not be allowed to vote. And there may have, there may be some listeners, believe it, they may not be allowed to vote if they don't own property. That's this 18th century idea that's still surviving, or actually maybe even a Middle Ages idea that survived till this day to take away the right to vote or to suggest I have, you know, the reason why we have freedom of speech, how much freedom of speech? If you're a billionaire, does that mean you have a thousand times or, you know, 10,000 times the right to influence election than a regular person? Well, I provide certain jobs and stuff like that. I have outsized uh, ideas. 
my ideas should be more impactful. That's no, it's one person, one vote in the United States. And it's everyone's equal before the. You see justice, you see this blindfolded, and she's holding scales. And the scales are not necessarily for people weighing them differently, not just a uh, an, an an undocumented person versus a documented citizens equal. They they it means justice is blind, and. All men, all people are created equal. We modified those. We've seen the errors of our ways, but we keep on doing it again, don't we? And people will argue this thing and say, hey, listen, how about a um, the unborn, the rights of the unborn? Well, how about the rights of the people that are born already? Because a lot of times they forget about that. I mean, it, the argument for that, that will save for another day. And that's a big problem. I understand that. Some people say it begins at conception. So there's no you, UB486. I think, I think that's the stuff. The uh, morning after pill. That someone has sex and they don't know they're pregnant yet. And if it did, it's as I got this. There's no, uh, there was no central nervous system and things like that. But there's some people that believe that that's life right there. And that's, you're treading on the Buddhist kind of extremism when it comes to that. But I'm not going to disdress that in the show because there are also the rights of the fully developed person. And then you got to think of the child if, if they're going to be neglected and things like that. But we'll save that for another show. A little heavy for this show. I do understand it is the Keys Bartender Show, and we do have these debates in bars. It happens all the time. I had a woman says, Oh, I only like him because he's for the babies. He's for the little unborn babies. Now, I'll tell you that guy who you uh, said is for the unborn babies, I'm sure he paid for a shitload of abortions. And he's only saying that shit to get your vote. And they've done it. These are fucking hypocrites. So, I'd like to thank you for listening on that high note. On that fucking high note. I, um, we are, well, we're rolling into, today is Cinco de Mayo. I'm not going to, I, it is a legitimate holiday in Mexico. It's throwing out the, French imperial attempt to rule over Mexico. But in the United States, they turn it into a drinking game and a great advertisement for certain Mexican products. Which, hey, if it's if they're happy with it, fine. I don't like the way that St. Patrick's Day is culturally appropriated. And that's because of my Irish heritage. Um, I'm going to leave the outrage to people that are of Mexican heritage. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you do like the show, please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any questions or anything for us, this is Jim at keysbartender.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope I get the music to play correctly this time. See you later.